All right, you're back in the DFSR on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, and that is nobody else, because I am flying solo on the podcast today. Had a scheduling issue, uh, not James's fault, my fault, so um, he's not going to jump on the pod, but we have such a big slate here for an NBA Friday that I thought it'd be worth it to try to get on here, try to do a solo podcast. You can give me uh, either a warm review on this one or say, hey, we don't love the solo thing. Got to get James back. Uh, it's, it's either James or Bust on the NBA or NFL. Well, we haven't done an NFL solo one before, but uh, in terms of the NBA one, you might just say, hey, it's James or Bust, and uh, don't even bother if he's not around. But we figured we'd give this a try early on in the basketball season. Like I said, it's a pretty big slate, so I didn't. I kind of was going to feel weird letting this one skip by because we're trying to cover most of the big slates. That was, you know, Minimum Wednesday and Friday for the NBA throw in a Monday or a Tuesday in there as the season kind of rolls along. But uh, wanted to be able to jump on here, talk some hoops. I think there's still plenty to talk about, even if it's just me sort of talking into the ether. We have a bunch of games here. Not too many injury issues as of right now, but famous last words. It's a big Friday in the NBA. Uh, some teams are on the back-to-back or on the front end of a back-to-back. We'll get, we're starting to get a sense of what teams want to do. Like, you know, we saw Kawhi sit half of a, one half of a back-to-back. We're seeing Deontay, DeJounte Murray. He's going to sit today for the Spurs as they play in the back-to-back. So we are getting a sense early about how teams want to sort of approach this season. Some teams are going to have the luxury to do that more than others. So we'll get into some of that. We'll go game by game. I have a bunch of thoughts on a bunch of these different teams after having watched the first week or so of basketball so far. Been able to watch some teams more than others. That's just kind of the nature of the business. You get uh, just kind of you know your league pass whip around find yourself on certain teams, not as much on others, but I feel like I have a pretty good handle, at least at this point, about what most teams are trying to do and how some of these new players have worked their way into new situations, so we'll go through that as well. First game on the slate, Cleveland heads in to Indiana to play the Pacers. Uh, Cavs actually surprisingly 2-2 two and two to start the season. They have a negative point differential. I don't think they're going to end the team, end the season as a 500 team by any stretch of the imagination, but getting two wins early... It's funny about the East right now because the East is pretty, I think, going to remain pretty wide open this year, especially if some of these teams that were projected to be good, i.e. the Pacers, we'll talk about them in a second, the Nets as well, if they're not going to be as good as people expected them to be, there are there could be one of these teams that ends up sort of projecting the early season to be you know, bad. I think the Cavs would be 100% in that category of, teams that people thought were going to be bad that end up making late season pushes. Look, it's four games into the season, so whatever is going to happen, I don't think probably in the, in the old marathon, not a sprint analogy, uh, you know, these teams probably aren't going to be there. But that being said, Cavs are 2-2. Two and two. Pacers actually 1-3. They won their first game of the season against the Nets uh, on Wednesday in pretty pretty de- decisive fashion. They, they ended up winning by, I think, 13. The DFS plays here, Tristan Thompson's been unbelievable to start the season. The guy's averaging a double-double. He's averaging, well, he's actually averaging more than a double-double. He's averaging 19 points and 12 rebounds to start the season. With the big piece of it, just they're letting him play. The Cavs don't really have a lot of size inside. They have Larry Nance off the bench. They're getting Kevin Love some minutes here. He's averaging around 34 minutes a game, too. But uh, Love, you know, Love's actually not the leading scorer on this team. It's Tristan Thompson, 19 points. And then Sexton second at 17 points per game. And then Love at just under 16 points per game. And the rebounds for Thompson also, 
at 12 rebounds a game. He's always been able to sort of do this. Um, he hasn't been given as many chances in the past because you play with LeBron and you're not going to get a lot of shots. Maybe you'll get some rebounds. Um, Kevin Love, when they got uh, when Kevin Love just kind of took over more of a power forward position, he has actually ended up being sort of going back to his double-double ways too, but that really hasn't been the, the case to start the season. Thompson's price has come up a bunch. He's up to 6800 on DraftKings, so I don't think you're getting great value on him anymore simply because that's just a pretty expensive price. It's going to be hard for him to be a big usage guy in the offense just by the nature of his game, but you really can't ignore the line so far. That's just Those are just excellent fantasy numbers to start the season. So still something of a play for me. I don't think I want to go overboard with it, averaging more than a block a game. The rest of the Cavs, I'm, I don't know, not, not all that interested. The minutes aren't great on any of them outside of love. Pacers haven't been great defensive efficiency-wise to start the season, still not playing at all that fast of a pace though a little bit faster than last season and definitely worse on defense in general. The Pacers are going to be without Miles Turner, who rolled the ankle against the Nets on Wednesday. I do think that's going to end up seeing a lot of minutes out of Sabonis. We had seen tons of minutes out of Sabonis and Turner sort of together to start the season uh, with the Pacers going with that double big lineup that they just, that was the plan for them to start the season was to play Sabonis and Turner next to each other. Uh, that's not going to be the case now with, with no Turner. I think they end up going small playing Sabonis at the five. Uh, and I, th I really think you could see him trend to 36, 37 minutes here. The Pacers have not been shy about running their starters big time in the start of the season. Turner was playing 39 minutes a game before he got hurt. Warren has been playing 36 minutes. Sabonis, 36 minutes. Malcolm Brogdon, 35 minutes. They got Jeremy Lamb back the other day. He played, he actually played not as much, though I think that we see his minutes tick up uh, here just because uh, they're going to probably end up going some smaller lineups. So I do actually really like Sabonis. Uh, the price for him, he was a guy that we were really on going into that Brooklyn game, and he crushed value, so uh, we'll take it. The price is up to 8800 on FanDuel. That's still kind of getting around an area where I wouldn't mind playing him, I don't think. Um, I think a double-double is because I think he's going to, A, spend some more time in the block without Turner. I do think the minutes are extremely safe, anything outside of a blowout here. So I actually think Sabonis at 8800 on FanDuel is probably a play I can get behind. And just the starters in general, like I said, the Pacers play them a ton of minutes. I think they're very, very safe. Brogdon, we've seen just him really have his game completely unlocked since coming over from Milwaukee. He's turned into just a complete player all around. The assists have been there in a way that he wasn't really asked to do when he was in Milwaukee. He's averaging nearly 11 assists per game. Uh, and then four, four rebounds. He's just really put it all together. And actually, only one steal per game. But I actually think you'll see that number trend up over the course of the season, too, considering he's just an excellent defender. So definitely some Pacers I don't mind here, um, like led by Brogdon, led by Sabonis. I don't know if you're getting enough of the other little stats around T.J. Warren here, even with the minutes. And like I said, I do think that the starters' minutes in general are really, really safe. The game that I think a lot of people are going to be focused on here from a fantasy perspective is this Houston and Brooklyn game. Houston comes in as a minus four road favorite coming out off of the game against Washington. That was just a complete joke from an NBA standpoint. The final score ends up 159 to 158. That outside of an all-star game, you really should just never see a score like this happen. It's kind of uh, scoring is good for basketball. Don't get me wrong. I want you as, as a basketball fan, you'd much rather see the ball go into the basket than not go into the basket just from a, Kind of look. That's not like an expert take or anything like that, but 
I don't think anyone wants to return to the the late late nineties that when we you know scores would be ninety to eighty five. I don't think anyone's wishing for anything like that to happen. And at the same time, if you get a game like this with this freaking three hundred over three hundred points in regulation, didn't even take an overtime to get to it. I'm not sure that's a brand of basketball anyone really wants to sign up for either. So. I don't know. I, I didn't I, I personally did not watch this game. I was watching the Nets game at the time, so I wasn't just fully in tune to what was happening. I mean, it doesn't take much to see what was happening from a from a shooting perspective. Washington shot fifty six percent from three. Uh, Houston put up forty three percent. They shot uh, ninety total three pointers. Houston put up fifty four of them during the game. Harden went completely off, scoring fifty nine points. Finally, kind of turning and he went got to the line eighteen times too. Finally, turned around some of his early season shooting woes. So, I get that people like kind of want to see this. That it gets away from that that Harden ball sort of like ISO stuff. Like the other the other Westbrook got up sixteen shots. Capella got up thirteen shots in this game. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm of two minds about the, the final score here. I think it's overall it's fun to score a lot of baskets. I think there's probably a breaking point to where it gets a bit ridiculous. And then you look at this game against uh, Brooklyn. The over-under in this game comes in at 241. That's like 20 points higher than the next highest, uh, the next highest overall total on this slate. The next highest is 225 for the Spurs-Golden State. It's just nuts to have a game that is projected for this many more points than any other game on a big slate. And it just speaks to what you're seeing from these two teams. Uh, from a defensive efficiency standpoint, Houston ranks dead last in the league at 115.3. Brooklyn's 22nd in the league at 108. Uh, the pace on both these teams is, to- is totally out of hand. Houston's playing. And it's early season, so that one game for Houston is going to affect some stuff, right? Like one game can co- sort of sk- – when it's only been four games, can sort of skew – what these numbers are going to mean, but also Houston playing at a 111.5 pace and Brooklyn is ninth at a 107.9. So you're getting two really fast teams that play below average, well below average defense, and you have two of the best scorers in the game in Harden and Kyrie going against each other. So from a tune into the game standpoint and probably just stack it for DFS, uh, you're, you can go a lot worse than just stacking something like Harden and Kyrie in this game and maybe just calling it a day. They're very expensive, so Kyrie, well, I take that back. Kyrie, 9,000 in this game. I think you can probably, you'll see a pretty high ownership on him on DraftKings. Uh, in terms of Harden, that price definitely came up a little bit. At, he's at 11.2 right now. We have him projected for 55 fantasy points on FanDuel. Uh, I think that that's, you know, some people might say that's a little low if you think that this thing gets into an absolute track meet. This one is going to be a tough one. I think if you, this would be a really hard game to watch if you, for some reason, didn't end up with, say, Harden. And honestly, you have to play them. It's very rare that someone is an absolute must-play uh, in any DFS situation because there's so many ways that the games can shake out. But this would be a real hard one to tune into if you didn't have ownership pretty high across your cash games on guys like Kyrie, on Harden, even Westbrook, who somehow, in a game where the Rockets put up 159 points, Westbrook barely scraped a value on DraftKings, which is really hard to do and really hard to even conceive how it happened. 35 minutes in a game where his team, where he took the second most shots and his team put up 159 points, is, it feels real run bad for him to not, not totally destroy his price. It ended up mostly just because Harden did so much. Westbrook ended up with a triple-double again, but the points weren't there as much. So I guess he basically gets there to value, but the, the problem was Harden was just so good in that game that he really uh, outshined or outshone really anything that Westbrook did. But 
Um, you're looking at, again, this, this is a game that I think you're going to want to stack. Harden and Westbrook on that side, even Capella as well. The Nets have shown the inability to guard the center position just like they did last year. They brought in DeAndre Jordan. Uh, that has not solved any kind of problem. Arguably, it's made it worse uh, from a defensive standpoint, especially if they continue to start DeAndre. We might see, I wouldn't be shocked to see a starting lineup shift back to Jared Allen in this game. Allen's been much better than DeAndre, uh, really on both ends of the court so far. I think the matchup lends itself a little bit better to Jared Allen as well. That being said, I think you can get Capella in here too. At some point, though, you just start running out of money. You really can't. It's not like you can play Harden, Westbrook, and Kyrie, and like even someone like Levert. You just don't have enough salary to do that. So prioritizing, I think you got to prioritize Harden here. I think you're fine if you want to pivot and go to Westbrook and just say the pace is really going to help him as well. Kyrie is a guy that's showing up uh, a lot for us on DraftKings. I think that that's going to be uh, that's probably going to end up sticking at nine thousand. The, the matchup's just too good, especially if he just gets out in the open floor like he's been doing to start the season. Actually, don't mind the $6,000 price on Levert uh, for the Nets. He's been their second-best scoring option. The turnovers have really been a problem for him this year, but uh, this is the game that really kind of suits what he does pretty well, which is get out in the open floor. Uh, he can track down a lot of defensive stats as well, especially if things get sloppy from the Houston side. So I know I kind of rambled on a little bit about this game, but like I said, when you're looking at an over-under of 241, you just that becomes the game that you kind of just have to talk about. So, uh, like I said, a lot, I think we'll see a, a lot of ownership from this game. I think if we get anything in the way of punt plays, you're going to see something like a Harden and Kyrie stack, a Westbrook and Kyrie stack uh, from GBPs that has a ton of upside as well. I don't think that you need to fade this just because you think the ownership is going to be high. This is just the kind of game that you want to get. Uh, you just want to get a lot of ownership in on simply because the scoring just could be so outsized compared to everyone else. So this is the game to target. It came early in the slate. It came early in what we're talking about here. But um, like I said, Harden, Westbrook, Kyrie, Levert, the names kind of go on and on. P.J. Tucker's played a lot of minutes. I think Capella gets a great matchup against the centers. Uh, and then maybe you even want to take a flyer on one of these Nets guys that can chuck up three-pointers like Harris or Torian Prince. So. Really everyone in from this game in play for sure, and this is the one that you'll probably see the highest ownership across the industry on. And if you think that 240, well, it's actually 240 and a half number right now, if you think that's just nuts for an NBA game, even though you you know, you know saw the final score of the Houston-Washington game, head on over to mybookie.ag. It's the best betting site around. They're one of our sponsors, but that's a sponsor that we use. I was using mybookie.ag well before these guys came around to sponsor the podcast, so it just makes it all the easier to just kind of give them the shout out because we would have just done it almost anyway. And the fact that they're a sponsor just makes it all that much easier. If you're a first time depositor, you put in the promo code overtime, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. They're going to double that first deposit for you. They have all kinds of bets. They have the obvious ones, obviously, you know, money line and uh, points and over under, excuse me, everything like that. Also have a bunch of prop bets. You can get some action in on really any sport, more sports than you can ever imagine. But like I said, you think that 240 and a half, which I think is actually trending a little bit high uh, just because I'm born out of that last game and sort of what Brooklyn has done. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Brooklyn slow its pace down just a little bit to get Kyrie into some more half-court sets. That's been some of the word out of Brooklyn as a guy who follows Brooklyn uh, pretty closely. I wouldn't be surprised to see them try to slow the game down a little bit here as well. So if you think that number, you think you can kind of talk yourself into the under, I think you can. You head over to my bookie. You use the promo code overtime. Like I said, they double that first deposit for you. You're not going to get a better deal than that. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Moving through some of these other games, we get Milwaukee goes in and plays Orlando. Both teams two and two, each right around plus two with point differential. 
Uh, Giannis airballed two free throws right in a row last game, which instantly became a video, a viral video around the league. Um, he still struggles with that piece of his game. He's got, he's really has every single other piece that you'd ever want from a basketball perspective. Uh, but the free throws, he just, he's only hitting them at 55% so far to start this season. Uh, and I, like I said, with the cherry on top of just airballing the two in a row, he's still a fantasy God. Uh, he's averaging 24 points, 12 rebounds, excuse me, 24 points, uh, 13 and a half rebounds, eight assists. Uh, 1.8 blocks, 1.3 steals. I only read the whole line because that line is just absolutely ridiculous for a guy who plays less than 33 minutes a game to just average just amazing. These stats are just freaking ridiculous across the board for this guy. So I know some people want to just, you know, kind of dig him for not being able to do this one thing that's insanely important, which is to say score and score from the outside. Uh, that game, that part of his game hasn't fully come around yet, and it might just not totally need to. Definitely not from a fantasy perspective. What you're really looking for him on a night-to-night basis is he gonna are the minutes gonna be there for him, and are you know can the game stay close enough where he can just not get burned off and buzzed off his minutes late in the game. I think this is probably one you can. Uh, Milwaukee's a four and a half point favorite. They haven't pulled away from teams this season as much as they have in the past. Uh, the 11-6 number is a little steep. I think you probably would feel a little more comfortable with uh, Harden, let's say, on FanDuel than having to pay all the way up for Giannis. That being said, arguably Giannis's floor is higher simply because uh, he, can, he contributes in so many meaningful ways across the stat line. Uh, Milwaukee's defense has not been as good to start the season. Their defensive efficiency uh, doesn't rank anywhere close to where they were last year, which was among the best in the league. They had a little bit of turnover on this team. Uh, not a ton, and they're actually playing at a pretty fast pace. They're the f- sixth fastest paced team in the league so far. Uh, so I think you know it's kind of Giannis for me, Giannis or bust for me, especially on this slate. I'm not to say that he's a guy that I want to prioritize having in cash lineups, but you really, anytime you're talking about this guy, especially in a matchup that doesn't really scare you, and I don't think Orlando is the kind of matchup that scares you off from a fantasy perspective. Uh, I think this is, I think it's a fine time to play him. And I probably would be worried if I was playing him and not Harden in cash. And I saw Harden coming at like, you know, 60% ownership or something like I'm, I'm kind of making that number up right now. But if you saw that, I think I'd be a little worried. And part of that problem is too with Giannis is that the minutes are just really never going to trend up to that 35, 36 range. That just really has never been the plan with him. They, the Bucks are not going to need to do that to contend in the East. They don't need to play him crazy minutes in the same way the Rockets are going to need to, you know, maybe play Harden at times. So I think that's just the other part that probably scares you off Giannis a little bit. And then those minutes issues, I got to tell you, are kind of a problem for the Magic as well. They only have one guy in this team that's averaging more than 30 minutes a game, and that's Vooch. Vooch is averaging 31 minutes. He's scoring 16 points and 11 boards. The the points are way down for him this year. He's been really bad from the field, only 36%. Uh, He's he's shooting four three-pointers a game, only making those at 25%. So I just don't think you can – I mean, it's already a bad matchup against Milwaukee, and I think you just have major minutes concerns with how Orlando is playing their rotations right now. So I just don't – I think this is pretty much a hard pass for me on the Orlando guys. I think we'll wait for another slate for them or wait, maybe wait to see one of these guys – I hate to say get injured because that's just the wrong way to look at sports in general. But uh, in a game where someone on there – you know, one of their major players doesn't play – I think then we can start talking ourselves into an Orlando play. I just don't think this is the one. Knicks go in and play the Celtics. Knicks are 10.5-point underdogs to Boston. Last game, Boston played Milwaukee. They had a 
great come from behind victory against the Bucks. They were down going into the third, I believe at halftime they were down, and then definitely in the third quarter they were down. And it was looking for all the world, like some of the plays that we had made with Jalen Brown out, that was Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum specifically. Marcus Smart was also kind of a chalk play. It was looking like these guys were all going to underperform. And then the third and fourth quarter rolled around, and that was the end of that story. They kind of all ended up crushing. Tatum finished with 25 points, not as many, only four rebounds. So he actually, he struggled to hit value a little bit. Hayward was excellent from a fantasy perspective, 21 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists. Uh, Kemba poured in 36 points with six assists and six rebounds. And Marcus Smart, 16, uh, excuse me, 19 points, six assists and four rebounds. Right now, Brown is questionable. So uh, as of this recording, which is uh, early Friday morning, um, he's questionable right now to play. He's been sick. If he were to sit again, I think we could be pretty bearish, uh, excuse me, pretty bullish on the, the Celtics minutes. But I would be a little concerned with the blowout. The Knicks are bad. The Knicks did get their first victory the other night. Uh, it doesn't really mean that much to me. They're still a very bad team who struggle to understand what they even want to do as a team. They don't know if they want to play Mitchell Robinson a lot of minutes. They don't know who their point guard is. With Frank coming off the bench uh, and R.J. Barrett at times, they just don't really seem to have any clue as to what they want to do. And the Celtics blew them out four days ago when they beat them 118 to 95. So this is, we've seen this story. Uh, I'd be very worried that it could happen again. And that would be probably the end of the Celtics minutes. I think that's the only thing that's stopping me from you know, having them just locked in as cash plays. If Jalen Brown were to sit, that's the key. Jalen Brown needs to sit for these guys uh, for their opportunity to have me in a comfort zone where I think the guys like Hayward, Tatum, uh, Kemba, and Marcus Smart uh, can trend up on some of their usage and some of their minutes. So Brown would have to sit for me to even consider it. And even then, I'm a little worried that the game's out of hand by the fourth quarter just because the Celtics have a clue and sort of have a plan, and the Knicks really don't. Uh, so that's my, that's my only concern. We'll have to wait till game time, or we'll have to wait till probably a little closer to game time to, to know the Jalen Brown stuff. We'll probably know after shoot-around uh, early today. If he goes through shoot-around, then I think we're pretty good. Otherwise, we're looking at a game-time decision. So the league's been really good with this mandatory reporting on the lineups with a half hour before game time. I know this game is at 7.30, so maybe we don't know 100%. And in terms of just information this year, especially for the early games, it's been just a heck of a lot better than we've seen in the past. So congrats on the NBA for finally trying to get this thing on the wraps. Thanks for betting for being illegal to make it so that this is actually a thing. And that being said, I think we do have the Jalen Brown news with plenty of time. Eight o'clock game, Detroit goes in and plays Chicago. The, the only real injury news here has, is some mostly stuff that we've just known about since, I don't know, the second game of the season. Blake Griffin is still out for the Pistons. Reggie Jackson is still out as well. Markeith Morris is questionable right now uh, with an ankle injury, so I guess we'll have to maybe wait on that news. But the, really, the, the story basically starts and stops from a fantasy perspective with Andre Drummond for the Pistons. He's been unreal to start the year, They're averaging over 35 minutes a game, 21 points, 17 boards, and more than two blocks a game. This has been as about as good as any fantasy guy in the game to start the year. I don't think you're going to see the minutes come down anytime soon. And it's just a great matchup against the, the, uh, the Bulls. The Bulls are favored here by three and a half. That's a tough one. The Bulls have been pretty bad this season. Uh, I get that the Pistons are pretty compromised without their you know, best, we'll call Blake their best player. Uh, and Reggie Jackson, starting point guard, but sort of in name only. They've kind of moved around that position. And they have brought in Derrick Rose to play a bunch of minutes behind him. 
But Drummond, 9,500 on DraftKings still. I think you kind of have to lock and load him there. And I get that you want to have ownership on those guys like Harden and Kyrie that I mentioned before. And Drummond's a real tough fade right now, man. Sub 10,000 for this guy against a Bulls team that's playing Wendell Carter underneath and really not much else at center. Uh, again, a team that's been very bad on defense to start the season. I have no problem playing Drummond here at 9,500. Probably really don't even have a huge problem playing him at 10-1 on FanDuel either. He just has such an incredibly high floor with how the Pistons are using him right now against a sloppy team like the Bulls. You have to figure the game stays close. And like I said, I know the Bulls are favored here, but um, they're just not a very good team in their own right. Uh, Chicago right now ranks yeah third to last in defensive efficiency on the season. So this one is not a no-brainer for me on Drummond. It's just going to be really hard to look at that $9,500 price tag among the big guys. And I don't mean big size guys. I mean big salary guys. If you look at the, the, the highest salaries on DraftKings for today, you get Harden at 1100 you get Giannis at 10-9, you get AD at 10-6, LeBron, then Russ, then Doncic, then Drummond. So Drummond is the seventh, excuse me, yeah, the seventh highest salary guy on DraftKings. And he gets to face the Bulls and a guy that you can probably pencil in for something like 35, 36 minutes. That's, you really can't say that about, well, you can say it about a couple of the guys that are above him on the list. But from a floor perspective, just the way they've used Drummond this year and just what he's been able to do on the court makes him a very, very safe fantasy option, especially in this matchup. So not much, not much interested in a lot of else on the Detroit side of this thing, but definitely very interested in Drummond. For Chicago, we just haven't seen them be able to put it all together from a fantasy standpoint. Levine's been fine. Laurie Markkinen's really underperformed uh, so far to start the season, especially in the scoring department. We've seen a Wendell Carter game here and there. Just not sure this is the spot against Detroit that I want to get ownership in on them. I should probably mention that, by the way, if Markeith Morris does play 4,400 for him on a power, at a power forward position on a FanDuel that's just every single night pretty thin, I wouldn't mind just playing him at 4,400. He's questionable right now, so we'd have to kind of wait and see where that lands on him. But uh, on the bull side, I don't know. I'm not really that interested. This total's not bad, 216.5. Their implied total is not all that bad either. And the teams just kind of look like a wreck. I, I, I want so badly to play a guy like Markin, and I really wish we'd see Markin just get up to like 34, 35 minutes, and it just really hasn't been the case because 7,300 for him on FanDuel doesn't feel like it should be all that bad, and yet here we are with him averaging 17 points a game, and that's just really not going to get it done. So uh, I don't think I'm really on the Chicago piece of this. Um, I, like I said, I, I like a couple of the guys on Detroit. The other game I think you're going to get a lot of DFS ownership in on here is the Lakers and Dallas. Now, from an over-under standpoint, this game is sitting 216.5, like I said, right around the rest of the group of games, still well below, you know, 24 points below Houston and Brooklyn. So it's, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow to look at just so many fewer implied points. But I do think you're going to see people want to play AD here. He's coming off that 40-20 game the other night against Memphis in three quarters, just absolutely dominated. Uh, so, um, you know, like you don't need to make great reasons why you want to play Davis. I'm a little concerned from an overall just kind of fantasy standpoint about what Kyle Kuzma's return does to the Lakers. I'm not, I'm not crazy concerned about it just because they've shown the willingness to use Davis in the way that he should be used, which is to say play him healthy minutes, get him a ton of shots, allow him to do, you know, grab as many boards as he can. He's averaging nearly 13 rebounds a game so far. Uh, the PER is at 34. I expect Kuzma to, he should start and they should play AD at the five. They just don't seem to want to do that kind of thing. So I'm not really, 
I don't know. I, a part of me wants to take a little bit of a wait and see on the Lakers, and part of me is like, well, it's just Kyle Kuzma. How much is that really going to matter? I'm mostly saying it because it, it is worth noting that Kuzma is supposed to come back. He's probably going to be on something of a minutes limit. Hasn't played in a while with the injury. So, again, he might not even start. They might just keep JaVale McGee at the center and play AD at the five and then maybe just close with that lineup. Have no really, really no idea. These other pieces outside of LeBron and Davis have been sort of mixed and matched so far for the Lakers. And then if you look at the, the, the Mavericks, this team is so balanced. It's crazy. They had a stat line the other night where I think they had something like 10 guys finish in double-digit scoring when the game was all said and done. After Luka Doncic starts the year just kind of just being everything you want from a fantasy perspective, they did sort of even things out from an opportunity standpoint last game. Uh, Lakers not playing as fast as we've seen this team play in the past, which makes sense just from a, the personnel change that they've that they've employed this season. They're not going to play a very fast pace when you guys when you have guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis on the team. They rank 24th in pace right now on the season. Dallas ranks 19th. So you're actually getting a couple of pretty slow teams going against each other and the totals where it is just cuz the guys that they are throwing out there are so good. I don't think from that standpoint I want to go overboard on any of their ownership. And like I said, from, from Dallas specifically, I'm just a little concerned that they've said, well, this, we, have, we have a bunch of these guys that can play, and we're going to go pretty deep with our lineup. And even though it looked like it was going to be the Chris Apps and Doncic show to start the season, turns out we just have a bunch of guys that we can play. Dwight Powell came back last game. Yeah, they've mixed and matched Kleber in there. They've thrown a different starting lineups at times with Seth Curry starting sometimes, Jalen Brunson starting other times. So it's a really hard team to get a, a fantasy and kind of real-life handle on. And from that standpoint, on a big slate, I don't think that uh, we need to go nuts with it. One more sponsor to throw out here before we get to the final two games of the evening. That's Vivid Seats. If you're looking to buy tickets for a game this season, basketball, uh, football, with a, you know, you've got a few more weeks left over there. Concerts as well. Really, anything you want to get your hands on tickets-wise, you got to get download the Vivid Seats app and put in the promo code OVERTIME. O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. They're going to give you up to $100 back on your first on your first purchase using the Vivid Seats app. Also going to get you automatically enrolled into the rewards program as well. If you buy tickets online, you know that it can be a scary proposition. You're trying to find the best seats. You're trying to find the best price. It feels kind of like the Wild West at times. All this kind of stuff attached to it. Um, you can feel like you're not walking out with the best deal. It's not going to be your issue with Vivid Seats. Uh, great app to use. Very easy and seamless transition into just finding what you want purchasing it, and then just heading out to the game that you want to see. So go download the Vivid Seats app, put in the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and it will be the only app you use for tickets going forward. Final two games, Utah goes in and plays Sacramento. Utah right now is a five-point road favorite against a Kings team that's been basically the worst team in the league to start the season. They have a negative 17-point differential. They're 0-5. They've been getting blown out. Uh, they've dealt with some injuries, like Bagley got hurt. They just switched around the starting lineup. They put Rashawn Holmes in at center over Dwayne Dedman, who had been terrible. Uh, Luke Walton doesn't seem to know who he wants to play on a game-to-game -game basis. Though then you see the starters kind of come back in. Um, then they're just kind of underperform as well. So the Kings have been a wreck. I've won. I have no interest in the Kings here, especially going up against Utah, who's been about as good a team as there is in the league. They're four and one. They have a point differential of eight point six. We finally saw Mike Conley kind of turn things back around from a shooting perspective. Last game in the Jazz win over the Clippers, Conley put up 17 shots. Uh, he ended up with 29 points. He shot five or eight from three. So if you're worried at all about like the volume or just the efficiency from Conley after he struggled with a few games, uh, that was pretty much put to rest 
last game just return back to the guy that they thought they were trading for. Also a scary proposition that the Jazz were winning a lot of those games that he was underperforming in. So uh, I don't think you have anything to worry about in Jazz land. This is actually still a pretty good matchup, and actually Conley specifically is a pretty good price. He The price had come down on him based on some of the struggles that he was having uh, to start the season. He's still under 7,000 on DraftKings. That's a really nice number for him against a Kings team that has not been able to defend a single thing on the other team. I, I know it's only a five-point spread. I would actually be a little bit worried about the blowout here just by, by how bad the Kings have looked and just how much they've struggled to sort of figure things out from a rotational perspective. Uh, but I do still like Conley. If you think the game stays close, Bojan uh, Bogdanovic is a nice price on DraftKings at 5,400. Uh, I think still, I feel like there's got to be a big block game for Gobert in here. He has like he's averaging like one block to start the season for a guy that's been absolutely elite at this stat. I don't. I think that sometimes those things can be kind of clustered together by who you're playing and just sort of the flow of the game. I do think we're probably going to at some point get a big Gobert game. I don't know if this is the game that I want to go out on a limb with him. He's 7,800 on, on DraftKings. Usually he's more of a DraftKings play for me. You get that double-double bonus in there. Uh, you get some of the blocks thrown in. Uh, I'm just not sure this is the spot just because of maybe we're going to probably end up going sort of stars and scrubs approach to DraftKings. But uh, I do think there's probably a big Gobert game coming. Final game of this evening, Spurs, six-point favorite against the Warriors, who you have to figure are just in the tank right now. With Curry, they lose Curry with a broken left hand. That could cost him the season if, uh, you know, if the timeline for him to come back is like, you know, three months or something like that. There's, you can't imagine the Warriors are winning a lot of games without him. They were already really struggling with him. And without him, uh, I just don't really see it happening. They're running a bunch of kind of afterthoughts in their lineup right now. Eric Pascal got the start the other night. Draymond becomes pretty ineffective when, from a fantasy perspective when he doesn't have the shooters around him. So I think you can kind of write him off. I don't even see why they'd play him a lot of minutes going forward. I think you're going to see them sort of head for the tank. And that could open up value. Like guys like Pascal, you know, guys like Jordan Poole, we might see incredibly high usage out of D'Angelo Russell now. It'll be interesting to see sort of what they do. They got Willie Cauley-Stein and Alec Burks back last game. Maybe they start playing those guys in, trying to boost up some of their trade value. It's a little hard to know exactly what the Warriors' plan is going to be, except to say I don't think they're going to be trying to win. Trying to win, and whenever that's the case, it's really difficult to give any one player a ton of minutes or a ton of opportunity. So that's my big concern with the Warriors here. Maybe you grab a cheap guy for the time being, but I'm not even sure you're getting tons of cheap value on their team as it is. So. I don't know. Probably going to end up taking a wait-and-see approach with the Warriors. They do, it helps a little bit that they get a Spurs team that um, is just a tough matchup in general. On the Spurs side, one, you're probably a little bit worried about the blowout. They are going to be without DeJounte Murray here. That probably opens up a bunch of minutes. He was only he was capped at something like 24 minutes, though he was getting fairly nice usage in the offense and had been gobbling up a lot of those other secondary fantasy stuff like he'd been had a bunch of rebounds, really rebounded the position very well, assists as well. Maybe you think some of that goes Derek White's way uh, against the Golden State team that could still try to maybe keep the pace, uh, you know, a pace up team. You have to figure they're still just going to be a disaster on defense. Uh, they were bad with Curry. It's not like losing Curry makes them better at defense or worse. They're just bad anyway. So I think there's actually a lot to like about this Spurs game. I'm actually surprised the line is a close, as close as it is with Spurs only six-point road favorites. I know six points is a lot for the road, but this Warriors team is essentially – 
they're barely and they're still an NBA team, but outside of Russell and Green, like what are you really looking at in terms of real NBA players here for the Warriors? So, uh, the, the 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 overall line is 225. That is the second highest of the day. If you want to go DeRozan here, think this is a volume up game. Sure. You want to go Derek White. Derek White a little expensive. I think, like I said, I think he grabs the start, but it's not like he's so cheap. He's 5200, and you kind of need a lot to go right for him. Maybe you think this is an Aldridge game because he gets a pace-up matchup. He's 7,100. You can probably talk yourself into that one as well. So the Murray thing does affect the Spurs. Uh, I want to see for sure that Derek White's getting the start, though. I suspect he will. Um, like I said, you're getting a great matchup against the Warriors, and the Spurs just in general are coming a little bit cheaper because they're, from a fantasy perspective, one, Murray had done so much this season, and they just haven't wanted to play a bunch of their guys in minutes. So maybe you see DeRozan, a little bit of Aldridge, a little bit of Derek White. DeRozan specifically is actually a pretty nice price. I know he hasn't had a great start to the season uh, from a fantasy perspective, but he's only 7,200 on DraftKings. I, I don't mind that really at all. Uh, let me, I was looking up his FanDuel price really quick. I think his, he was actually in a kind of a value zone as well on FanDuel, a little more expensive, 78 on FanDuel. So probably definitely like the DraftKings number a little bit more. But if you're targeting a second game after this Rockets and Brooklyn game from a value perspective, I think I'm probably going to take the Spurs here. And then if we had definitive stuff on the starting lineup, and maybe, you, like you said, maybe you just think D'Angelo Russell just starts taking all the shots for this team, maybe you can get a little bit of upside on him as well. All right, we're going to get out of here. Flying solo for the pod. Let me know how you think it went. You can uh, tweet us at DailyFantasySR on Twitter. And as always, you grab a free trial to our projection system, DFSR.com slash deals. You can grab the free trial for the projection system just to hop into the chat room and tell me how you thought the solo pod went. I'm sure the chatters and the folks that listen to this podcast on the regular anyway will let me know right away whether we think we should do the solo one again or not. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started. It's optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. It's going to have you covered for all the sports that we handle, football, basketball, hockey, all under one subscription package. So go check that out, free for seven days, and then just $29.95 a month after that. Enjoy your Friday night in hoops.